0: Hello and welcome back to the Peak Too Early podcast, the show that has more plays per episode than Sheffield United have points in the Premier League. Although that's not saying much. My name's Oscar and I'm joined as always by my co-host Blake Munchell. How have you been this week, Blake?
1: Okay, I pulled a muscle in my back so I've been limited oh, no. to the couch, which means I watched a lot of football.
0: That's um, good.
1: Although none of it being... A Newcastle match. So Yeah, what happened I guess... with that? COVID complications, I hear. Rumors of between twelve and fifteen players infected. Oh wow.
0: That could take you out of the count for a couple of weeks, no?
1: Yeah, they're talking about forfe- or, uh suspending the West Brom match as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: uh, which I think is like a hundred percent guaranteed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I am relatively fired up actually on this. What is it, Monday evening? Because I don't know if this is relevant content for a football podcast, but you and listeners may not know that I am also a massive fan of J.R.R. Tolkien. And I listen and do a little bit of research for a podcast called The Prancing Pony Podcast. And I'm in a private Facebook group. Um, And someone posted a question about uh, Tolkien and the way he dealt with like racial stereotypes and so obviously that sparked a lovely lengthy internet discussion in which many problematic posts had to be called out so I got to apologize if I'm a little chaotic in this episode I'm still calming down from that
2: You're a You're
1: seeing red right now. You're about to studs up challenge into someone's calf.
0: Well, yeah, well, studs up challenge into the corner flag like Jamie Vardy did uh, Uh, against Sheffield. We can talk more about that later. It was another weekend of great matches in the Premier League. Some standouts were, well, it was a statement. I would say it was a statement loss for Arsenal in the North London derby. Palace blew apart West Brom. Liverpool were very comfortable against Wolves. And Oli Giroud continues a fine goal-scoring form. But shall we start at the... Well, actually, do you want to talk about Newcastle anymore? Or do you want to start at the very boring Burnley versus Everton?
1: Uh, just for those uninformed, uh, maybe a week ago... So it was right before the... um the palace win. There were rumors of like a coach testing positive and mm-hmm. um, some players were left out of the squad and it was rumored they had tested positive. Players like uh Isaac Hayden, Jamal cells, uh I can't remember who else. Oh, uh Emile Kraft. And mm-hmm. then pretty much right after the match, it there it's confirmed that there's a few positive cases. Um And then they, I believe, held training anyways. Uh, And then the cases started blowing up and we've had the facility shut down for a few days and it's a pretty big mess.
0: Well, hopefully it resolves itself smoothly.
1: Yeah, can't talk about football if there's no football. Uh, So we will quickly move on to... uh, an update on the score prediction. Oh, yes, uh, of course, I've been gone. Those keeping track at home. Uh, I had a four-point uh, lead. Uh, however, Oscar managed to get two points for perfectly guessing the Brighton-Southampton result. And because of that, he got plus one for this last week, moving my lead down to three.
0: I'm proud of myself.
1: I'm yeah, I'm proud of you you. thank you. Yeah. um you. And so let's actually talk about some football. Um, yeah. This match day started off with Burnley Everton, uh, mm-hmm. a battle of the England number ones. Uh, True. Yeah. Wow. And w- what continued is the poor form for mm-hmm. Everton. In their last five games, one win, one draw, and three losses, uh, bringing them down. I've heard Everton fans uh, say their biggest problem is they don't have uh, supporters in the grounds, uh, because they would certainly try more if they had uh, a few thousand fans kicking it swiftly up their behinds, uh, and also... They say, while they have a generally rich first 11, uh, n- none of them are very happy with their uh, their bench. Uh, there was a Robbie Brady, X-Man U, third-minute goal, uh, DCL classic striker's finish. Yeah, it's uh, becoming a classic. Sure. First half. Um, I thought both goalkeepers played well, uh, and Everton actually did have a chance to win it in uh, mm-hmm. the end of the game stoppage time, and Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's on 120,000 pounds a week, missed an awful chance. And that's all I have to say about Burnley Everton.
0: Yep, I've really got nothing to add other than Cabot Lewin is the right now one bright spark for an Everton side that's certainly stumbling. Um, that match was followed up by Man City Fulham. It was. Pretty much a Manchester City in exhibition mode, winning 10th Premier League, outing pretty comfortably. Um, I thought De Bruyne, Sterling and Mares were particularly in good form. And Fulham, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone was really expecting them to get anything out of this. It is Manchester City after all. Um, Pep Guardiola classically saying that they were wasting their chances, which... Is actually a, a bit of a City trait that we've seen under Guardiola. But, yep, Raheem Sterling put them ahead in the fifth minute and they followed it up with a De Bruna penalty in the 26th minute. Comfortably outshot Fulham, had majority of the possession. All those lovely dominating stats that we associate with uh, Pep's City team. And um, John Stones, uh, sort of having a little bit of a run in the side, there was no place for Imeric Lepore, and Phil Bowden was miss missing out again. And yeah, that's all I have to say about City Fulham. Pretty routine win, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, now oh yeah. yep, it's I'm sorry to do this to you.
0: It's sad time for Oscar because the Hammers fell to a 3-1 defeat to early Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. And this was a cliche game of two halves as Man U back in that horrible zebra kit that they have against West Ham on Saturday. Um, I watched this with my girlfriend who was busily trying to finish a research paper and getting increasingly irate at me, quote-unquote, talking at the soccer. So I do apologize, Jenny, for that, but I can't help it. Um, Sochek scored in the first half in the midst of a string of really great West Ham chances. There were two for four nows, who, as you well know, can be massively frustrating sometimes. A couple for Bone as well. Allaire should have put us 2-0 up but slipped at the crucial moment after rounding the keeper. Very unfortunate. Manchester United was so utterly abject in the first half that I think I texted you saying Ole could genuinely be on his way out based on this performance or on a result that would have seen them lose the three points. But once again, it changed after the break. And it was once away Pogba who picked up the ball after a Henderson clearance that Moyes insisted curled out of play, but VAR didn't pick up on it. He drove it 15 yards forward, then he calmly caressed a shot past Fabianski from like 25 yards out to equalize. It was, it was vintage Paul Pogba, something that we have not seen enough of for Manchester United in his second spell. Then it was the Fernando show once again. Uh, he changed the game as Greenwood and then Rashford put Manchester United ahead, all in the space of 13 minutes.
1: Shout out Greenwood for that first touch. The spin was excellent. Do you think that was 100% intentional? Or do you think he got... It's a Um, little bit of a poor touch turned to luck. No, you know me. I hype
0: Mason Greenwood. I I think he's talented enough to make that intentional. And plus, he's so good at finishing anyway that he's so precise in his finishing. It's like Henri esque in the way he finishes. And I love it. But anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, big pops. United were good for a total of 20 minutes in this game. And I think that's no better reflection of this team than the first half an hour in which they looked like relegation fodder. There is literally no consistency to this team whatsoever. And I cannot figure it out. I don't think anyone can figure it out. And I have a few talking points here. A couple of questions for you. Um, I'm going to slot in unless you have anything else you want to say about this match in a no. general sense. Okay, here we go then. Look, I'm not that sad about this result because we haven't been playing very well recently. And we've been picking up three points regardless. And we're so high up the table that it's just, I mean, I love just Googling... Premier League table and seeing us in like seventh place or wherever we are. But that being said, Moyes claimed last week that West Ham had been overperforming, which we have been results-wise. And I want to know what you think the short-term and the long-term future for us is in the confines of this season. Are we any good, or are we actually just overperforming and we're going to drop back to that sort of lower mid-table position that we so like to occupy?
2: year in, year out. Opinion of West
1: Ham. Can you hear me? I can now, yeah. Okay. My opinion of where they are right now, they got their points by playing well. Mm. It's not a, a Newcastle put 11 behind the ball, get a 94th minute pen and walk out with a 1-1 win. They're genuinely, they have good players. They've invested, not in their defense, but they've invested. uh, And I think they're playing really good football Mm. until I watched West Ham Manchester United. Really? It's too early. Well, okay, sorry. In In the first half, you played well. Yeah, well, um, the they was so bad that it barely counts, but
0: I see what you mean.
1: Yeah. Um, I do want to say, like, this was uh, the perfect clinic of what happens when you don't put your chances away against a top oh, sure. team. A team that has, like, 300 million invested in their squad. Uh, are They have enough, like, intrinsic class that if you don't mm-hmm. take your chances, they will punish you nine times out of ten. Um I don't know what to think of West Ham. I, I think the table is so you have teams massively overperforming, like yeah. Southampton. you have mm-hmm. teams massively underperforming, like Arsenal, and then you have maybe eight teams that deserve to be mid-table right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, man. I don't know what the rest of the season is going to look like West Ham. I can't imagine them continuing to have the same good form that got them to 8th for the rest of the season. Just That's not the nature of football. Teams will, especially teams like Arsenal in 15th, Wolves in 10th, Everton in 9th, they will improve in the January transfer window. Oh, that's true. Um, And I don't... uh, West Ham might... But oh, I, I'm probably knowing not. West Ham, they won't, and they won't invest in what they need. Yeah,
0: uh, I think it's so... interesting what you said about basically just that intrinsic uh, value that Man U has as a squad based on individual brilliance. I mean, I think this was an issue of just firepower in the second half, right? And I think at this point, what I've decided to do regarding Oligona Gunnar Solskjaer is just condemn and praise him at the exact same time. I think that's how it should work because Oli clearly, he cannot organise a team consistently, and yet he's shown tactical versatility in-game, especially with substitutions. And I, I don't know whether that's just down to the quality of his players. That might be an accusation you can level at him. But I, I just don't think that we can think of Allegri on in these like binary terms of he's good or he's bad because he's just such a such a mixed bag that that's what you're going to get and i guess that's the big choice that man you obviously have to make is whether you you stick with this inconsistent in inconsistency sorry that gets you these brilliant wins against like leipzig in the champions league or psg from last year versus you know, like dour performances or just underperformance, uh, that gets Roy Keane up on his high horse every other week.
2: Um, yeah.
1: I mean, you kind of knew when Moyes was appointed that this is sort of what would happen, right? Uh, I know, I know I'm mixing conversations. Um, I was just busy. I had David Moyes's, uh, wikipedia pulled up so that's I have fine noise on my mind no that's um, fine I mean, okay starting yeah. starting with Olegon oner who i will never pronounce his name correctly fine i don't think i am either i mean to truly get an opinion of him i think we'd have to see him manage a team with less quality than manchester united um it's just which yes, we never yes, were in
0: the premier league
1: yeah, exactly. So yeah. But, so he has these, these moments mm-hmm. where it seems like he knows what he's doing, and it seems like he's the right man for the job. And then you have moments where Manchester United play like duds. Exactly. Is the moments that are great because he inherited a lot mm-hmm. of really great players, uh, and he's just getting lucky, and the players are playing well, so they win. And are hit the losses because he's tactically inferior to his opponent, Uh or does Manchester United have a problem with motivation? Uh, yeah. does, is there something about Manchester United? Is Manchester United cursed? Who knows? Uh-huh.
0: Uh, yeah, no, we're going to have genuinely... to see him get
1: sacked and then move down the table. And then I'll yeah. tell you my opinion about him as a manager.
0: Well, yeah, this is genuinely what we don't know. And, I guess to wrap up this section, speaking of struggling to motivate players, I want a quick prediction from you here because Mina Raiola, I think either today or yesterday, came out and said, basically, Pogba doesn't want to be at Manchester United. He wants to leave. Man U, he's not happy and Man U need to sell him because he's definitely not going to extend his contract beyond 2022. So my, what I want you to tell me is where does Paul Pogba go? And will he discover his France
1: form for his new club? So where does he go? Uh, Assuming Manchester United sell him or he leaves at the end of his contract?
0: No. Well, yeah, no. Let's say they sell him summer 2021.
2: So for a discount. Sure. So,
1: I mean, there's back to Juventus. Mm Mm-hmm. There's one of the top three teams in La Liga. There's PSG. Yeah, pretty much. Realistically, is there anyone else? I can't imagine him no. going to Bayern. That's not. No, like they a don't have the money. They Bayern the money. move. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're not going to pay someone 360k a week. No, no. Um, my mind says uh, he goes to PSG. Ooh. uh Which I don't know if they can I don't know if they can uh pull that off with financial fair play and whatnot
0: well I mean if they sell Mbappe or Neymar in 2021 although I'm sure that they'll try and go for Messi so I know his wages are so astronomical I think he's nailed on for Real Madrid I think there'll be a fire sale at Real Madrid this summer and they'll go big for Galactico players again, and Zidane has said so many times that he's desperate to have him at Real Madrid. So I think he's nailed on to go to Real Madrid.
1: I'll also put my heart says back to Juventus. That'd be fun. Um yeah. just yeah, Juventus sucking up washed up Premier League players. It's great stuff. Um like Aaron Ramsey.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Aaron Ramsey going the other way to Man U
1: That'd awesome. be hilarious. I would love so, that. I would love
0: that too. And he'd be good for Manu as well, probably. Anyway. No, I want
1: him to go there because it'd probably be terrible.
0: Oh, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I guess you know what you're getting from Aaron Ramsey. I think you get sublime, a sublime footballer who's sort of perennially like injured. But that's a conversation for another day. Shall we move on to Chelsea three, these United one?
1: Yes, sir. Um, so I will. I'll take this one. Okay. Um, it started off perfectly. Ah, uh, Patrick Bamford. Bamford. The the Chelsea boy uh, scoring against the team that never gave him a chance. Never. Five um, years. Yep. Uh, it was a beautiful pass from uh, Calvin Phillips, who, for all the... How amazing he was in the championship last year, I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's sort of struggled in the Premier League this year. Um, although I haven't... Been watching. It's like I haven't been watching the uh, holding midfielders for Leeds as much as I've been watching their right. Uh, insane attack. Yeah. Um, Mondi got caught in the no man's land, but you can't really fault him. Like you got to kind of come for it, but once you come for it, you got to commit. Uh, so Patrick Bamford scores in the fourth minute, uh, giving them the one nil lead. Uh, you go, oh, this is perfect for Leeds. Like they have the front foot, uh, they're going to keep attacking, keep Chelsea on the pressure or under pressure. And we might actually get a really good game out of this. Unfortunately, it was not, uh, uh, there was to start off a Giroud header, um, that, uh, Timo Werner tries to steal from him. Uh, and basically puts it straight up in the air off the top of the crossbar or off the bottom of the crossbar and it comes out, uh, but uh, no harm, no foul. Olivier Giroud gets his goal, his fifth goal in three appearances for Chelsea um, in flaming form uh, and Mm -hmm. a really good player. I love Olivier Giroud. What a player. Um, Oh yeah,
0: for sure. I've always been obsessed with him and even more obsessed with him after I walked past him in Highgate. He was on his bone, and then he was pushing his baby around. And he's a an Adonis, honestly, king among men.
1: Absolutely. Uh, there's also a Kurt Zuma header in the 61st minute, uh, and this is. I've been very flippish about Kurt Zuma. I don't know what type of player he is, but he is certainly in good goal scoring form. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his fourth goal in 10 Premier League appearances this season.
0: Isn't he their top goal scorer for, in the Premier League? Uh, Sorry to just throw that at you, but I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, this season, with four. I don't think anyone has scored more goals in the Premier League for them this season.
1: Well, it's certainly not Timo Werner.
0: So. No. Nope. Um, Although Timo Werner has... Uh, he's No, they're tied. He has four goals in the Premier League as well. Uh, but he has, yeah, he has eight goals in all competitions this season, Timo. Anyway,
1: don't get started. um And then uh, at the very end of the game, this is kind of uh, typical Chelsea. Uh, like a 2-1 scoreline is pretty close, and then they mm-hmm. score in, the, in stoppage time to make it look like a strong victory. And it was honestly a pretty strong victory. But, I don't know, they... The fans and the commentators were hyping this up to be like a dominant Chelsea win. And it was a good win, but I didn't really see dominant Chelsea win in this. Well, Um, I mean,
0: yeah, but I mean, it's uh, look, I hate to say it because I genuinely despise Chelsea, but it's an impressive win because it's against a lead side who can beat absolutely anyone. And I was wondering whether you think that Chelsea are being sort of like sidelined in this conversation about title contenders. I hate to say it, but I think we probably at this point need to recognize them as uh, being in the mix to win the title this season, along with the likes of Tottenham and Liverpool.
1: Yes, they are tied with Tottenham for the best form in the Premier League right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I will say right now, the Premier League is a race between five teams mm-hmm. Tottenham Liverpool Chelsea Man U Man City yeah I don't think that's a very hot take but it's not
0: that hot take no no yeah. it's pretty well I was like
1: but... hot take one of these teams right. is going to win the Premier League and then I list the five biggest uh teams in the Premier League um as impressive as Leicester and Southampton have been they're not going to win the Premier League this season um right but yeah i hate watching frank lampard be happy me too uh, it hurts me uh, do you have anything else to say
0: actually um not particularly i didn't watch this game um i did unfortunately. So, yeah so um i'm happy for happy zuma and i guess it's a just in general good week for americans in europe because pulisic scored giorena scored who else just a bunch of Americans scored across the leagues. Yeah. This, this, uh... Also scored in this match. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. Do you want to move on? West from Crystal Palace?
1: Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, this was a fun one, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. I watched this one, actually.
1: And it
0: it was very fun. It was... Well, I mean, Crystal Palace ran right at the Hawthorns uh, in what was an eventful match, shall we we say, in which Herrera was sent off for West Brom, Benteke, of all players, got a double, and both Zaha and Eze showed off their prodigious talents. Um, I definitely would not have predicted this match to finish 5-1 to the Eagles. It was definitely a fixture that threatened to be forgotten at the beginning of the weekend, and I confess that I just sort of put it on in the background, not expecting much, but it really exploded in the 34th minute, when Pereira was found guilty of violent conduct and given a straight red, which we can touch on in a minute after I just talk about the rest of the match. Um, Darnell Furlong put the ball in the back of the net to open with before Conor Gallagher, unknown from Chelsea, lashed in a second goal in as many games. Um, West Brom kept it quiet for the rest of the first half before Zaha put them ahead in the 55th minute on his return to the team. I think he had COVID. and then I still
1: haven't seen if he missed the last match for COVID or for the birth of his kid.
0: Of- I think it might have been um, both. Or
1: both. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um,
0: he put them ahead in the 55th minute. And then, of all players, like I said, Christian Benteke heads in from a Van Arnholt cross four minutes later.
1: I have Zaha- a little
0: thing. About- Go ahead.
1: I thought Christian Benteke's first goal was absolutely hilarious mm-hmm. because you think of Benteke. Well first you think he doesn't score goals but before that you think okay he scores goals from his he's what 6 foot 4 and he has like a 36 inch vertical and he yeah. can just power in these headers and then this his first goal he was like crouched and he like hits it into the ground and it somehow makes mm-hmm. it in. I just thought it was such a non Bentec, like non-classic Bentec. But, I
0: mean, yeah, to lean into the cliche, this is what he needs. He needs him to go off of his elbow, his ass, of whatever, right? Um, well, not his elbow because that would be handled, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And it was fun to see him score twice. He scored a great goal at the end of the match, actually, I thought. Um, he turned his man, he spotted it into the bottom right corner, and Zaha scrapped in a second uh, just before that of Christian Benteke, Hodgson said he showed everyone out there, I haven't lost anything. I'm still Christian Benteke, you can rely on me. And he said the real test is consistency, which is extremely true. But before we go a little bit more into Benteke, just because I'm sort of fascinated by him as a player and his career trajectory in the past few years, let's touch on Pereira because Belich said that it was a very cheap red card, but also said he, as in Pereira, gave them option to send him off um and he said i would say a reaction is there but it wasn't a kick and when i watched the highlights of this match watch it back i i don't know what i think i mean i was texting you saying it's certainly a silly thing to do but is it violent
1: well i think it's it's kind of like slapping a player or Like pushing them in the neck. Like one of these things, it's not always going to hurt, but you know the ref will send you off every time. So why even attempt it? Um, like, who was it who uh, did it to Antonio Rudiger? Who was it? Was, a... was that? No, I want to say saying. it was Jungman's son. Uh, oh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Sorry. But. Well, Whoever it was, like the same the same incident. Player falls down, feels they were fouled, doesn't get the call, puts their foot up into the groin of the uh, other player. They're just gonna call it every time. I don't know. I whoever was broadcasting this was like, right. I would be disappointed if that, this yeah, was a red. Yeah. The game's gone. Da da da. Which I think would be over dramatic, anyways. But. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a clear and obvious red even though it's okay. not malicious. He wasn't trying to murder uh, Van Anhalt. Uh, yeah, it, It's still a red card. You're not allowed to use your studs as a weapon even if it's super soft. Right,
0: right. No, I, I think I would agree. I, I'm, I think the broadcasters I was listening to were also saying, oh, I would be disappointed or oh, that's a bit harsh, but I sort of see, I mean, I guess the referee doesn't really have another option. And I guess, he, I mean, even Billich himself said he gave them the option and there was this contact, but the reaction is there. And so intent is, as we know, also a big thing in football. So we'll move on from that because our chat is never exciting. Let's go to Christian Benteke. I said that he intrigues me because, you know me, I'm a sucker for like the narrative of the football player who, is a big star and then something goes wrong and he fades and then there's a comeback story i love that stuff he's obviously had a torrid time scoring for any club over the past few years much more success playing for belgium where he's consistently picked which is kind of funny but palace courted a bit of criticism when they offered him a fresh contract recently and i was wondering you know do you think a player like benteke or benteke himself is he worth having in the squad do you think He can rediscover his goal-scoring abilities. He's certainly not that old. I think maybe about 30. 30%. And um, in my notes, I just have, remember that bicycle kick for Liverpool. Uh, Yeah. Maybe that will influence what you say about his worth as a player.
1: So I'll start with 10 goals in 30 appearances for Liverpool is not bad. Um. It's bad for $32.5 million, uh, especially in 2015. But it's not like... He's no Sebastian Haller. Uh, But with that being said, yeah, I think he does have some some worth to a uh, Premier League squad, especially Mm -hmm. a perennial mid-table Premier League squad. Um, So Benteke has had the the hypes the highs the lows he's been disappointing he's been stellar he's seen all this like uh back and forth in his form in his life in everything Mm -hmm. um with belgium with aston villa with liverpool now with palace for a team for a mid-table team who all mid-table teams experience this back and forth of Good form, bad form, highs, lows, right? uh, Catastrophe. You've got uh, like Palace being bottom of the table and then managing to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like when Palace finished seventh, I believe, and uh, you've got this having a player who's gone through that could can be extremely helpful. Um, Yeah, that's true. But I do want to say for his best interest. I think he should leave Palace. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because he's not going to be... He doesn't want to be the veteran who's important for the squad's mental health. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the man playing up top. He wants to play every single match. He wants to be the one who scores the goals. Right. Um, so to me, I think he should move to a different club out of England Oh yeah, Um, England's media is a worse opponent than anyone you'll play on the pitch.
0: There are Um, so many players in the Premier League that need to get out of England. Seriously, I mean, I know we all like drag Jesse Lingard, but I mean, he needs to get out of England definitely and go play somewhere else. Just look at what good it's done Chris Smalling. It's fantastic. More players need to do it for sure.
1: Yes, so I'd say for. Palace, yes, offer him the extension mm-hmm. for uh, Benteke. Turn it down. Go mm-hmm. play in Italy. I well, Actually, yeah. probably not go play in Italy. That can't be yeah. good for your mental health. Yeah. Um, no. Go play in Germany. Go play in mm-hmm. Spain.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Good answer. Good answer. And then um, before we wrap this one up, uh, quick prediction... West Brom, any chance of staying up? Are we overreacting to a five-one loss in which they were down to ten men in the thirty-fourth minute?
1: Um, yes, but only because Burnley and Fulham have both also been very disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. I... Green
0: shoots of recovery
1: for Fulham, though. I think. Sure.
0: Suddenly, but... suddenly, the the. I mean, I remember a few podcasts ago when I was just raging about how rubbish Fulham are and a waste of space in the Premier League. To be fair to me, I think they are now fielding only two players that were in the starting 11 uh, consistently at the start of the season because of all the new signings they made at the end of the transfer window. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are looking better,
1: I would say. I mean, sure. they They can continue their form and then that pretty much dooms Burnley, West Brom, Everton. Because yeah, above Fulham, can you imagine Brighton or Arsenal going down? Arsenal, oh, no, um, come on.
0: No, neither of those teams are going down. So. There's
1: no such thing as a club too big to get relegated. That that's,
0: is, I think that's, un, not, that's not true. That's not true. Not in the Premier League. Too much money.
1: We'll see. It's just too much I money. I think one day, one day we'll see it. You, I would love
0: that. That's, that's definitely a, a conversation for another time. Um, because I think that's really interesting, especially just with all the money swelling around and the big six yeah, and what well, it means to like penetrate that. Yeah, no, we should definitely talk about that.
1: Yeah, really briefly, I think what it would take is finances to go south. Some oh, okay. situation where, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, the uh, yeah. kind of like the the Wigan owner uh, who is like, uh, or it might be Wigan, it might be Bury. Um, mm-hmm. They're like. I'm done with this toy. I don't want to play with it anymore. Right, um, right. And lets them get relegated. Yeah.
0: Um, like uh like the Valencia owners trying to do yes right now. Okay. that I think wraps up Crystal Palace West Brom and we'll move on to Leicester versus Sheffield United. Heartbreak
2: for the Blades. So close, but so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Uh, it was
0: a. You go. Okay. It was a former Owls man, a former Sheffield Wednesday youth product or supporter or something like that, maybe both, in Jamie Vardy, who scored an incredibly angry goal in the 90th minute to break Sheffield United's hearts. It was, again, you know, pretty classic Jamie Vardy, um, where he slipped through the line of defense and then had the strength and the pace to hold off the Sheffield United defenders and lashed it past Ramsdale and goal. who's still, I think he's the only goalie in the Premier League. who doesn't have a clean sheet. Although honestly, I don't think that's really his fault seriously because Sheffield United has been so bad, but, um, that is correct. I, I can't pretend that I, I didn't watch this match. I did watch the highlights. Um, you know, the, the sight of Jamie Vardy tackling that corner flag, like Son Heung Min, like tackled Gomez and just, broke his leg or ankle or whatever i mean he smashed the corner flag like he wanted to break it it was genuinely terrifying
1: um matt ritchie-esque
0: yeah i mean my god um and yeah he's the king of uh, trolling teams he doesn't like basically so
1: good for him yeah he is uh living the dream uh Mm -hmm. one of the best goal scorers in the premier league what a guy Yeah. Uh, what part of the most historic team to one of the most yeah one of the most historic teams to ever play in the premier league yep. um and uh all the meanwhile shit housing yeah. uh, like half the team he's the, in the premier he's league. the pantomime villain
0: one of the best things he's still ever done is that celebration against crystal palace where he imitated an eagle by flapping his arms and that sounds relatively innocuous but you have to go and watch the way he does it i don't know how he gets his arms to flop or that motion that he gets but it's just it's impeccable trolling it's just fantastic stuff and he loves to be hated for sure and he now has nine goals and ten appearances in the premier league and i know he takes penalties but he's just doing it year in year out and it is very fun to watch yeah. But yes, I don't know um, if you want to talk more about this game, because I didn't watch it, and I'm sure that's pretty easy to tell.
1: I just want to say um, Leicester's Forgotten Man gave them the lead in the 24th minute. Iose uh, Perez. Iose Perez. Leicester fans didn't believe Newcastle fans when they said, you're not going to like Iose. He's a bad purchase, especially for $30 million, And lo and behold, they don't like him. So, uh, yeah. you I like it. him. So, yeah, I know you like him. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't watch him for his oh, 50 yes. appearances you, for Newcastle. So. You are correct in that. Um, so he gave them a 1 0 lead. Ollie McBurney continues to be uh, Sheffield United's only not dark brown shit stain uh, on the pitch. Um, although you'll talk about Aaron Ramsdale, I'm sure, about how much you love him. But uh, he did <laughs> score. Um, which is kind of—he's done everything this season except to be the scorer. Um, yes, he's been Ollie very good. Burke stunk it up. Rian Brewster stunk it up. Uh, and my final statement about this match was: no one, no goalkeeper can stop Jamie Vardy in a one v one. No. Yeah. Basically, That's, no. There's no way you can do that. Yeah.
0: No. no. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. All right. Let's move on to the. Well, I guess it was probably the match of the weekend. It was the North London derby. Tottenham versus Arsenal. And like I said in the beginning, I thought this was a... Never mind a statement victory for Tottenham. It was a statement defeat for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, who sink to 15th. It was a Kane-Son double whammy. Um, they are the most lethal double act in the Premier League right now. And they're back at it again with two great goals in the first half that put Tottenham out of sight. Arsenal sink to 15th. Um I'll talk a little bit about what happened in the match. Basically, um, for the first goal, Kane is allowed to pick up the ball deep. Um, I don't... I mean, I guess maybe you just can't stop him at this point, but surely there has to be some sort of game plan to stop him from doing this. He lays it off to Son, who then, to be fair, basically does all the work running out Arsenal defenders and curling on in from, like, 30 yards out. And it was, somewhat ironically and damningly for Arsenal fans, I thought it was Henri-esque because... Oof. It yeah, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't hit with that much venom. But he shot so early and so accurately that Lennon just never stood a chance. It was one of those things where you, you see from like the little camera in the goal where the goalie is diving, but it just sails over him. And it's,
1: I mean, it's obviously lovely to watch. For the second, would, oh yeah, hold on, it would be criminal for us not to talk about this goal even more. Oh no, okay, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Go I. Ahead. Well, I, I will first start and say this was my match of the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. It's just an unreal match to watch. It was so much fun, even though it wasn't. It was like classic Mourinho defensive yeah. football. Yeah. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Youngman's son. Uh, as much as I don't like him, uh, scored yeah. in my goal of the season so far. Um, and I detest of the season
2: the- so far. Okay, yeah.
1: I detest the television angle. Um, however, okay. this is the one time that the television angle is the perfect angle to watch the that goal. goal. Yeah, you can just see the entire flight of the ball. You can see where players are positioned. It was just gorgeous. Um,
0: I inter- it w- it was a great goal, but I mean, it would have been even better for me. I mean, it was sort of like quite central in the goal. I mean, I love those ones that curl like right in the postage stamp. That's that makes it like just. Aesthetically beautiful. So I mean, it was yeah, it, it was but, a
1: great goal, but I mean, do you have a goal that's better than this one? Not to put you on the spot. When this season? Yeah, this season. I was just trying better. to think when you when
0: you said that it was your favorite goal of the season. um so
1: against Palace.
0: I can't think of one right now, but I feel like there there must be one. Maybe we can come back to that at the end of the podcast. Um, Look, I, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, you say you hate Son. I absolutely am obsessed with him. I love him. And I think he's the best player in the Premier League, or at least my favorite one to watch. But, I mean, if you're the Arsenal back line, you can't just step off Son. Like, they made it pretty damn easy for him to, to score this goal. I mean, I guess maybe they're afraid if they step to him, he's just—he's so fast that he's just going to breeze past them. But, you know, you can't. they made it relatively easy. And Leno's so far off his line that all Son has to do is pick his head up and look and just pop it over him. But yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from it. It was fantastic. And I will now be spending the rest of the podcast trying to think of a goal that I think is better so far in the Premier League this season. But there you go. Yeah,
1: I will say um, this is what Arsenal deserve for starting Rob Holding in their back line. Oh, You're going to get oh, smacked holding. if you start Rob Holding. He's been okay this player. season.
0: No, absolutely. Okay, there we go. That's a great Blake hot take. Anyway. Um, Okay, I'll keep going. For the second goal, Kane, he bends a run across Son. Um, he receives the pass from South Korean, smashes it past Leno off the bar. That was quite satisfying. Um, I wanted to note to you that Kane has scored fourteen goals and twelve assists in all competitions, and Son has thirteen goals and six assists. And they are obviously a deadly duo, but it goes beyond those stats, I think, because it's just this instinctive, like ruthless understanding that operates on tempo and guile and they're swiftly becoming like a legendary pairing in the premier league up there with the likes of wilson and ryan fraser that was a yeah
3: Hmm,
0: a nod to you yeah wow um but but seriously i mean they are they're frightening they're frightening to every team that they come up against.
1: So while they do have the goals and the assists and all the link-up play and the hold-up play, and they have everything, mm-hmm. they also have the fear that they instill mm-hmm. on the defense they play. Uh, yeah. It's who do you, even if you're like, okay, let's take Harry Kane out of the match. Yeah. You, you, you don't have enough men to take care of everything that Tottenham is doing right now.
0: No, yeah, I agree. I, I agree entirely. I, th- yeah, I mean, look in the second half, right? Tottenham, they didn't score, but they just turned up the resilience a notch. So, like, Hoybier Ho- was, toyed. yeah, Hoibier was excellent again because he's. I mean, he's fully transformed into Mourinho's on-pitch general now. And your boy, I think I saw this tweet calling him Virgil Van Dyer, which is hilarious. He was excellent again, and. Yeah, you're you're right. They really just toyed with Arsenal. Who Arteta, like he played Lacazette in like this deep creative role, and it didn't work. Aubameyang continues to be poor. Thomas Partey lasted forty five minutes, including a point during Spurs' break for the second goal, where he limped toward Arteta, clearly injured, and left a hole in the defensive line in the process. And did you see Arteta shoving him back onto the pitch, only to watch Kane smack it past Leno? I thought that was so, villainous from Miguel Arteta.
1: Yeah, I've seen people on both sides, like Arsenal fans on both sides of this. Um, some saying like, uh, by walking off, he opens up, um, mm. opens up the hole, and if he just Continue. goes down. But if he just oh, goes, he goes down, down, then they can hope for stopping the play. Uh, and uh, some yeah, people say that's what Arteta wanted. He said, "Like get back on the pitch and go down." Oh, mm, um, I don't know. I think people, it. I think Arteta is a naive enough manager, where in his head, he, he in he the way he thinks of himself, he goes, "I would even if I am injured, I would be running down trying to stop that goal." Really, um, you think he's not like old school? Sure. Ever? I think. I think. Most not old school, but I think most players and former players have the confidence in themselves that they go, If I were out there, I would have done something differently, I would have prevented it. I think they're kidding Um, themselves. That's not a slight against Arteta, but it is a slight that because of that mentality, Arteta forces Partey back on. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm not, I haven't seen anything about the injury, I'm assuming it's a soft muscle.
0: I think injury. he might be out for a little while. I was listening to a podcast saying that from an um, Arsenal fan, and he said, um, "I'm actually quite happy that Parsi will just get an extended rest." So I think it actually might be at least a few games that he's out. Um,
1: yes, yeah. um, I, I, I really don't know uh, what the situation was. Like, if Arteta saying go back on the pitch and go down. That's obviously a lot better than forcing him back on the pitch to chase down, uh, yeah, uh, whoever he's supposed to chase down. Yeah, there.
0: it looked like he was just venting his frustrations to me, but it just doesn't look great on camera when you're. He just he it was like pretty like violent, not violent, but it was like an aggressive push to a player who's clearly injured. So it just it just looks yes. silly. But I mean, it was overshadowed by the goal, so he'll escape any scrutiny basically. Um, I thought Arsenal camped inside the Spurs half in the second half. Um and they ended the game with 70% possession, which is I mean, but this is exactly what we should expect from Mourinho. And we're still waiting for an opposition team to figure it out. And what I actually think a big difference this season for Spurs is that they have the quality to beat teams who sit deep against them, but smash teams who let them counter. Because they have so many you, quality
1: players who fit diverse roles. Do you know what I mean? You you just said the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my life
0: what's why no
1: team has figured out how to do it against spurs who did what about newcastle we masterclassed them 11 oh, men behind really?
0: the ball yeah oh, that was hyperbolic but it hit it
1: right at eric dyer's hand in the 94 yeah, okay, so, pen walk out with a draw
0: all right so the, but but there you go i mean that the, you did not figure them out they you were lucky essentially i mean i mean That's i could nice. sit here and say that we figured them out because we drew 3-3 with them, you know, a month or two ago or whatever, right? But let's not kid ourselves. Like, people are not, for whatever reason, figuring out Mourinho right now. And I, th- I mean, I think because of the nature of the season, I've said it time and again, football has possibly regressed to, like, the Mourinho style. But, the- I mean, pit them against anyone right now and you just think that they're going to beat them. Because they have so many great players in so many diverse roles. and you know when yeah they can they can be creative and they can be resilient and they can smash teams on the counter with all their pace and they can sit deep and it just works right now at least
1: yeah that was sarcastic bravado by me by the way um
0: you told you told a great line between me like worrying that it's like one of blake's hot takes and fantastic bravado and i appreciate it because it keeps me on my toes and i deserve it yes Um, You know what I think you should be given a chance to do, though, is to absolutely destroy me for my um, Mikhail Arteta is a great manager whole spiel. Um, Clearly, I drank from the Arteta Kool-Aid and was way too enthusiastic about his ability to guide this team through rough patches or make them competitive. Um, You know, please take 30 seconds to just insult me for that if you want to.
1: Uh, you did have Arsenal finishing third, mm-hmm. yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and in uh, episode zero, where we talked about our predictions, uh, I believe you talked about how Arteta was uh, a masterclass manager. Oh, that uh, might be harsh, but I mean, go ahead. Sorry. And I just want to say, <laughs> I have, I am always <laughs> hesitant to. Cast hype across these players. Mason yeah. Greenwood, last uh, season, I was not, I was hesitant about him. Everyone yeah. was calling him the next Thierry, Thierry Henry, like you yeah. he did earlier in this podcast. I didn't. I, said it, I said it was like Thierry Henry, like a Thierry Henry, he Henry finish. Still compared him to Henry. Oh, but on. I will say, uh, the game of football is. Yes. Ever changing. Mm-hmm. You can have your form, and then you can be found out the next match, and you're never the same. Yeah. Uh, confidence. Teams will ride confidence, and then when yeah. they lose that confidence, they will fall apart. Look at Manchester United. Uh, I know. End of last season, people were like, "Well, Manchester United's obviously going to win the Premier League this next season," yeah. and, and now they look. start off the season yeah. with some stinkers, and yeah. now they're battling their way back up the table. So, in I general. Would- All fans of all sports need to learn to pump the brakes a little bit. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But this is why we're
0: not carried away.
1: Absolutely. I I was actually... Sorry, I was actually... You can go ahead if you want. No, you can. I was actually
0: interested, like, 20 minutes ago, or whatever, you said um, teams like Arsenal are underperforming and they will improve. And, I mean, will they improve? I mean, they're so bad right now.
1: The, Let me explain myself. Where's
0: it coming from? Yeah,
1: will improve as in they will splash cash in the winter. Okay. Oh, oh okay. not improve okay. as in their form will improve. Okay. I certainly hope Arsenal get relegated, mm-hmm. but I think they'll they'll go. Oh man, we're having some striker problems. Let's splash fifty mil on right uh, Rebic, uh, and then the, he'll solve our problems. So right.
0: Um, we, real quick, because we're rambling on again, um, give me a percentage chance of Spurs winning the league at this moment in time. Go. 33%. Oh, that's incredibly low. I like
1: that. Okay. We'll move on to Liverpool Wolves. I watched 100% of this match (laughs) and 100% of the match I regretted. Oh, um, I thought we were gonna see a really good match. Ends up, really, just a super comfortable match yeah. for uh, Liverpool. Uh, they started uh Nico Williams. They started uh, Matip. They put Fabinho in at center back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they started Curtis Jones, who you and I both don't like. We um, we don't
0: like him. That's correct.
1: And I was like, oh man. This might even be a Wolves win. Uh, Ends up it was not. Liverpool dominated Wolves. Uh, I'm just very disappointed. I I was so disappointed by this match, I didn't even write down any notes.
0: Oh, can we shout out Quivin Kelleher, please? You can. He is a 19-year-old Irishman making his Premier League debut. And Klopp said he's now Liverpool's number two. He uh obviously played in the champions league in the midweek Just two clean sheets now i think um, he made a great save from podence in the first half Un- um, unreal save yeah and d- 19 that's crazy but did you know he used to be a prolific goal scorer in his youth up in ireland i think he was like the best maybe in ireland for his age group before he went back in goal at a really unusual age i think he was in his either early teens or maybe even mid teens and basically what happened was um uh, classic thing where the youth team's goalie was out and the second string goalie was out and whatever and his dad actually called up the coach and just said can you just why don't you just play Quivine in in goal and they were like why the hell would we do that he's like the most prolific goal scorer in ireland for under 15s or whatever but he went back there and um and now he's doing this which is frankly incredible i thought i think yeah, yeah i mean just
1: yeah, to uh, maintain a clean sheet against Wolves, like it's not like they're playing Sheffield United, like right. That's a it's a seriously impressive thing. No, for to, sure. Yeah, no.
0: Um, yeah, without yeah, Virgil without two your two starting centre backs, to, oh, and also without like Trent on the right, like with a disjointed Liverpool team, it's it's fantastic. He's this is a 19 year old who's providing stability to a team that is should be in chaos right now i mean i think if we see any of these other uh big teams in the premier league uh like tottenham city um chelsea lose the key players like liverpool have then they're not fighting up in the upper echelons of the league um and i think it's it's very impressive that liverpool are doing it right now
1: i want to say it's a little reminiscent of uh when uh, SOC needs a goalkeeper for pens and we stick you in there because you're six foot four
0: yeah and I'd never say any of them I, mean, I think i would say maybe yeah. two because I don't know what I'm that's doing that's what
1: Kelleher's uh, youth that's his vibe. Experience is
0: like. I know yep. it's, it's, it's great shall we um, I don't know if you actually do you want to talk more about this or shall we wrap it up with,
1: with I will pens? just I say I am usually very callous towards Liverpool Right. Um I detest Liverpool. I when I was growing up they were like what Arsenal is now. Yeah, they were rubbish when we were growing I grew now. up in like the really disappointing Liverpool age. So I'm, when I'm, they I'm, started having success, yeah. I was like no, uh, absolutely not and one of my best friends is a Liverpool fan and yeah. he winds me up like nobody else, kind of like I do to you. Yeah, um, and uh He's like your typical Liverpool supporter where he doesn't watch a single match. Um, and he just... Every match, he's like, easy. Like, we crushed him. I'm like, did you watch the match? And he's like, no, I, I watched the highlights. Is this like, Dash? Yeah. Like,
0: Fuck off, Dash. Uh, come on, Dash.
1: But yeah, shout out Liverpool. They're a really good team, I guess.
0: Wynaldum's goal was so nice.
1: hmm Yeah. Newcastle yeah. legend. Yeah, I guess the my final statement is uh, Newcastle may not be good at much, but we have player ex players all over the league dominating. We have Wijnaldum at Liverpool, we have Sissoko at Tottenham, and we have Scott Parker at Fulham. So uh, I love that, Sissoko. That, those, those three midfielders,
0: yeah, amazing. Okay, all right. yeah let's do today's match: Brighton Southampton. Um, the Seagulls fell two one to Southampton. Um, I watched almost all of this. I didn't see. I didn't know Danny Ings was back. He got the winner in the eighty first minute with a penalty. Um, Yannick Vestergaard, who's in fine form this season, equalised uh, right on stroke of half time. Was it or was it just after the break? No, I think it was stroke of half time. Forty fifth
1: minute. Yeah, and
0: um, and Pascal Gross. Uh, scored a penalty in the 26th. I don't have much to say about this match. Some people try and build uh, it as a bit of a derby, which I think is very funny. Um, but yeah. Well, they're both on the South Coast, correct? Yeah, but they're not close to each other, and they have like no historical animosity whatsoever.
1: Yeah. First, I did not watch this match. I did not even watch the highlights. Cool. Uh, I... Honestly, I had a rough day, so I didn't I didn't I'm really sorry. have time to watch yeah.
0: a That's
3: fine.
1: A, a match between two teams I don't care about.
0: So. That's fine. Uh, let's move. Let's move on. Sorry, any random Brighton or Southampton fans out there, but we don't care about your teams this week. Shall we At, move on to predictions?
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yes, nice. another one where we're going to blow through our predictions. Yeah, blow blow through it for sure. Okay. Um, and I will say. If you guess that the game will be delayed and you get that correct, oh. that also counts as a point. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's so. True. Okay. Leeds United, West Ham. Uh, just four four. Wow. <laughs> I'm gonna go a three one Leeds win. I'm sorry. I usually back the irons just to make you that's happy. Okay. But... Thank you. I All appreciate right. It. Wolves, Aston Villa. I think Wolves will lose again two one. Yeah, I actually, I'll go 3-0 Aston Villa. Um, That's Wolves, not not great. No. Um, Newcastle, West Brom. Uh,
0: I think you dropped a hint there, so I'll go postponed for COVID. Please I'm see.
1: actually not going to go postponed. Oh, I'm going to go a 3-0 win for West Brom because I think the uh, Premier League is not going to postponed. allow two games to be postponed. They're going to oh. force them to play. And they're gonna make Newcastle are gonna like field a whole bunch of youngsters, um, and we're gonna get turned over. Can I change my uh, prediction then? Sure, if you will, if you'd like. Okay, I will go um, a nil nil,
0: horrible match, and is just genius snatch a draw Matt, with the yeah.
1: kids. Manu, we'll well.
0: oh, Manu City, wow, the Manchester Derby,
1: that's cool. Yeah, um, London. Oh, sorry, Manchester is red. Manchester is blue.
0: Oh, this is hard because we know Manu can like turn it on against the. Big teams. Um, damn. No, you go first. Sorry, I have to think. Uh
1: I have to think as well. Um so I wanna say, in the words of Toby Heath, uh Manchester is red, and then Manchester uh United got beat by Manchester City. Uh and I think that's exactly <laughs> what's gonna happen. Oh, okay yeah. I'm guessing a one nil gritty win by Man City.
0: I know I predict so many draws, but I think I'm just gonna go for one. I'm gonna go two two.
1: So yeah, the exact opposite of me, I never predict a draw.
0: Yeah yeah. Um,
1: Everton, Chelsea. It kills me, but I'll back at Chelsea win two nil Chelsea. I'm gonna uh, this run can't wow. go on forever for Everton. I'll go one nil Everton with the upset. Right. Uh, Southampton, uh, which I lovingly refer to as Shampton Champton, uh, Sheffield United. One nil Saints. The Starby, I think, will end uh, 1 1. I think Sheffield get their second point of the season. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Spurs. I think Tottenham grind out 2 0 win. I will go with a 4 1 win for Tottenham. Uh, I think there's no stopping that attack. Um, Fulham, Liverpool.
0: I'll go 4 4-1 1 Liverpool.
1: 4 1. Yeesh. I will go 4 0. No way in hell that Scott Parker's team is scoring no, against Liverpool. I don't think so. Uh, Leicester, Brighton. I smell an upset here. I will go 2 1 Brighton. Some big points for Brighton. I'm going to go a 2 2 draw because I don't predict, predict enough draws. Uh, and then finally, uh, Arsenal, Burnley. Okay, my heart says nil-nil, but I think actually Arteta will manage
0: to bounce back because I think the Arsenal players will be angry enough at themselves to do it. And I'll go, mm, you know, I'll go just like 3-0 Arsenal. Like maybe a Europa League level performance for them.
1: Just to stir up some more, stir the pot a little bit more, yeah. I am going a 1-0 upset for Burnley. Um just to be hilarious, yeah, yeah, I would be. Oh, no, you can see mad. it happening. I mean, for sure. Yes, I, I certainly hope to see it. But, I mean, um, Arsenal will have some fans there, and yeah, you'd think you'd have to think that at home they'd manage to turn over a terrible Burnley side. So, anyway, uh, I have a quick question before we move on to the next segment. Yeah, do, do English people, uh take the mick out of arsenal having the word arse in their oh, name
0: yeah yeah i mean it's a pretty obvious one i feel like um but so is it like too uh, low-hanging fruit like it's, yeah, it's so kind of, done yeah before. i think it's been done so much i mean that's the vibe i get i mean people sometimes refer to it because it's kind of funny but it is low-hanging fruit i mean it's right there it's hard yeah, So
1: as an american i don't ever see it so i was like is oh it yeah just not Are English people not as funny as Americans? (laughs) Maybe we're funny, enough
0: because we just don't go for such an easy joke. There you go. Maybe.
1: Maybe. Okay. You ready for some five questions? I am. Okay. This player, for the peaked too early part, Mm -hmm. uh, he has certainly been updone by his younger brother, who is a starting defender for a current Premier League team. He once scored an unreal amount of goals for MK Dons before he was purchased for $3 million by West Ham United, where he scored five goals in 23 appearances before being shipped off to a different team.
2: Mm-hmm. Oscar
1: Saywell, oh, tell me where one sam baldock is oh wow wait i didn't know he was related wow yeah he's the older brother of george no
0: Sheffield oh that's awesome i love those stories um i didn't know that one that's got me genuinely excited i love footballing families i have no idea the way he is so i'm going to-
1: they are currently in the championship. I know he moved to Bristol after us. Bristol City. I will go. Reading. Jesus, Oscar <gasps> Saywell. Did what I get a it? Guess.
0: Yep. Oh, and my streak continues.
1: That's awesome. So, he left West Ham and went to Bristol City in 2014. He joined Brighton Ho Bad. Okay. Um, he then moved to Reading in 2018 Up to MK Don's form. Yeah from when he was a youngster. He's having a decent championship George career. Bulldog. So, yeah. I, think, I mean, thank so,
3: you.
1: So interesting. Yeah. At uh, the top of your year, AFC Wimbledon, Asco. Um. Oh, that's... Uh, um. Uh, I think it might be 2002. So yeah, yeah. That sounds right. probably one of very few players yeah, AFC yeah. in career, or right. youth team. Yeah. And then, but, well, yeah. which is interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cool. he's one of those players who he's a decent championship career. Uh, sure. And you Okay, so now yeah. Timo Werner has struggled. Him. Who mm-hmm. should be the starting striker for Chelsea in the League? Pre- right moment?
0: now, but you and Olivier Giroud in the same team. So I don't score and go crazy rate. We have to. Timo Werner provides so much to Chelsea without scoring that it's worth having him in the team regardless. And I think we have to remember anyway that he's only 24. This is his first season in the Premier League and it's not like he hasn't been scoring. So um, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a question of like either or between them. But right now I would start Olivier Giroud because I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I I mean, it's like in his last six starts in the Premier League, he scored or something like that. So um, he definitely deserves a place.
1: Yeah, and to think he almost joined Newcastle on loan. Um, uh, So uh, we've seen this last weekend, the return of some fans in some stadiums. Uh, Coincidentally, they're all London teams. My tinfoil hat says... uh, they got them because they are the London teams, but no. that's a oh. different conversation. So,
0: so, so no, no, no. That's that's because of the test system. And, yeah,
1: yeah. But if you look at the like the rates per one hundred thousand citizens, it's like London is at like two hundred and fifty positive cases per one hundred thousand, and yeah. like the rest of England's uh, at like two hundred and seventy-five one hundred thousand but
0: yeah I mean I see where you're coming from but it's not got nothing to do with the premier League it's just with the like the jurisdiction so it's the it's the choice it's the sorry it's the decision of the local like jurisdiction the people that run it and it just so happens that London like regardless of the infection rate they're going to be more relaxed with the rules so then so then that means that the people who are making the decisions in the Premier League can allow um more fans to go to stadiums in London because of the city-wide rules about gatherings.
1: Yes, I know the whole oh, tier one, sorry. tier two, tier, I didn't mean tier to three. It's, no, Wait. I just know. I think it's... Part of me says there's a reason why.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're adopting some strange, like... You know as if you are actually from newcastle that weird thing they have about like southern bias so
1: southern but by- it certainly exists so yeah. we'll have to have a conversation about that all right another day. but uh with uh with that which london team benefits the most from having their fans back
2: it's a good question um
0: Oh, uh, you have to edit this because I'm thinking. I want to say, I think Tottenham will benefit. And I think that Palace will benefit from having fans. West Ham yes, certainly won't.
1: Well, I was going to say, all the London teams uh, saw the return of fans, except for West Ham, who oh, they, didn't what, have what? Any fans to, they didn't have any fans to return. Uh, um, what?
0: We had fans. We had 2,000 of them in the London Stadium.
1: No, it's the the whole your stadium so I mean, shit and your fans. I, far, are so I mean, away.
0: I just refuse to to engage in this because it makes me so angry. But okay, all
1: right, moving on. <laughs>
0: it's fine. It's fine.
1: Uh, <laughs> Arsenal currently sit in fifteenth. Will they be in tenth or higher by Christmas? And by Christmas. for reference, they play Burnley, Southampton, Everton before Christmas.
0: Um, I think they'll improve, but no, I don't think they'll climb that high by Christmas.
1: Just, just so, so you know, if they won all three of those fixtures and every other team had to forfeit their matches, mm-hmm. they would fly all the way up to third in the Premier League. Wow.
0: Just, <laughs> where, I, just where I told said they'd be. It's going to happen.
1: All right. Um, And my final question is, obviously, coronavirus will have some lasting implications, uh, even if uh, England is trying to pretend that they are past the worst of it. uh, We are seeing it's still around as showcased by Newcastle's outbreak. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly, eventually, we will see some catastrophic results of COVID on teams further down in the pyramid and sure. i know this is a premier league podcast but i wanted to know if you were in charge of all football in england yeah what unrealistic solution would you use to save some teams lower in the pyramid
0: from financial oblivion
1: yes as unrealistic as you want
0: um i okay un- unrealistic as i want i mean i would Say something wacky, but I can't think of anything right now. um I think I would force all Premier League teams to give a portion of their revenues to teams down below, which is incredibly unrealistic, but not funny, I suppose. So I'm sorry if you were going for something like that. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would I would mandate like a, a like like a cut, a percentage cut from every team in the Premier League, and then yeah. uh, distribute it to the clubs down below. Although yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult, right? Because there are some. It's so difficult because uh, obviously you don't want any club to go out of existence because these are like com- big for communities, especially when you go lower down the leagues. But there are some clubs out there where if you give them money, the owners are so vile that they're just going to misuse it. So I guess you have to implement rules to, you know, you have to you have to say, look, this has to be used for X, Y, and Z, and that, all that kind of stuff. But I think it. In general, it would be obviously beneficial to pump way more money than is currently uh, being allocated into the EFL.
1: I will say, if you gave Mike Ashley uh, a handout, he would just take it and yeah. fold the club uh, exactly. in a heartbeat. Um, but my, um, the reason why I asked this question was I was uh-huh. uh, while I was walking my dogs, I was thinking about. Uh, the benefits and downfalls of having, if you had like all the youth teams play in the leagues, in the lower leagues, Uh like they do in other countries, um, like Spain and Germany. um, And uh, there'd be some like real problems with that. um, Mm -hmm. But like, like including uh, Newcastle's young team playing above Sunderland. uh, But the, the, I was thinking about it would be interesting if they had like they did a forced like two year partnership where they pair up uh, Premier League teams with League Two champions with Vanarama National uh, right. League One with the Vanarama National South and North um, right right did sort of two year shared revenue plus. Free loan system. And of course, that would never happen, but it'd be really interesting to watch. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, plus if it was Premier League, League One, Newcastle U23 is turning over Sunderland. All right. We finally (laughs) get the Weird Derby. (laughs) True. All right, Oscar. We've rambled on for so long. We have. This is fun, though. Do you have anything to say?
0: nothing other than if you're liking this rate us review us wherever you listen to the podcast email us peaktoearlypodcast at gmail.com and follow us EarlyPod on twitter follow blake on twitter follow me on twitter at o h s c u h oscar Oshu, however you want to pronounce it and as always stay safe and we'll see you next week and thank
2: you blake